Hello everyone, and just a quick message from us at the BHA podcast. Um, we've been uh, given another another code uh, for a bit of money off at Lombardi's Edinburgh online uh, bespoke clothing store from the USA. Such things as NCAA, NHL, NFL, and MLB and MLS clothing. Um, the website is Lombardi's Edin E D I N dot com. Um, and Nick, there's a code for that, isn't there? Yep, you can save 10% at checkout by entering the code BUIHAPOD21. Yep, totally bespoke stuff, guys. Give it a go. It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ooh, sorry. Oh, sorry. We're sorry we're laughing. It's just, that was bad timing. Sorry. So hello everyone and welcome to uh, another edition of the BIG podcast, episode 64. This will be Nick. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling the effects of the previous 63, I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Nintendo never really took off until it got to 64 bits, so maybe maybe this is where we really take off. <laughs> no, uh, well, that's very true, Rambo, very true. Do you think that was quite uh, geek chic from me there, uh, bringing up Nintendo 64 in a, in a big spot? It was. I'm, I'm glad you didn't bring up Xbox 360, because, uh, well, I know that at the current pace that we're doing this, we might be there soon, but still, we're a, we're a long way off now. Yeah, we're a good we're a good bit off that. Um, though based on based on current pace, we might we might get to hit one hundred before twenty twenty one. True, true, very true. Um, so uh, Nick, I thought we'd just do a, a brief podcast. We've got uh, Graham Bell in an interview for later on in the show, but um, start to bring you in. Obviously, a couple of big news in in British ice hockey. A couple of bits of news. Um, following our interview with him, uh, Liam Kirk is is seems to be returning to the Steelers, uh, at least for this uh, sort of elite league cup thing that's going on. Um, yeah. What do you, you make of this uh, this elite league cup? Are you, are you looking forward to it? Is it something you'll, you'll tune into? Um, I'll be intrigued. Uh, to be honest, I haven't really watched much of any of the other streaming series, as even the even the bits that have been broadcast free, which is really nice of them to do, but I haven't really managed to watch too much. But... Um, been a little bit close to home, a little bit close to my heart, I suppose. I might, I'll probably play a little bit more of an active, an active role in in seeing what's going on. But yeah, I think everybody's glad that at whatever level it is, there's hockey coming back in some form. Which, okay, maybe the elite league guys are now taking their turn, and well, it's all geared towards obviously the GB team and the World Championships, isn't it? So, which is, I think, the correct thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I quite like this uh, this idea of the the elite league draft. Um... Where you know the 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 players were sort of spread around the four teams, and there's slightly less imports, so it'll not be the same elite league that people are used to, uh, I guess. But um, quite nice to see the some some more British kids perhaps get a bit more of an opportunity. Uh, Nick, is that something you would you 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 seen when you looked at the, had a brief look at the draft picks? 
Yeah, when because it was it was last night, wasn't it? I kind of watched through, and there's even some names that don't obviously flash up on on my radar too often in terms of. It was nice to see that uh, some of the coaches are viewing this as a good opportunity, as it's it's basically like having a a free trial of some of these players and and seeing obviously the bigger clubs of Sheffield and uh, and Nottingham etc. Who obviously have very established and very set Brit packs as much as anything else in terms of their British players who are long established. Obviously, it's nice to see them taking a chance on on some other kids from or players from kind of obviously like Guildford and, and Fife and, and Brayhead and things like that. Players that might not necessarily kind of get that kind of look in. And I'm sure out of this, there will be a couple of players who appear on the radar. Of <clears throat> There were some of the coaches mentioning last night, like, oh, I've always I was always admired this guy. Like, it's a good chance to have a good look at him, if you know what I mean. Or, or it's a good chance to have a look at um, some of the younger kids. Or even when they were then talking about the imports as well. Obviously, for an elite league team to bring in an import, you're making kind of a bit of a commitment to that guy. And obviously, financially... The, the penalties that come with kind of getting out of a contract and, and getting away from it. Hey, you could you can sign an import that you were thinking of signing for next year. If he's available, wants to come, you get a five-week trial. If, if you suddenly decide you don't like him, don't have to sign him, do you? So it's it's pretty good. It's pretty exciting. There's I'm sure there's a lot of hockey people who've been sitting around twiddling their thumbs, and there's suddenly a lot of, a lot of stuff for them to get involved in. Yeah, just on that, I mean, I, I think... Um... From what I see, I've seen some old names that perhaps I hadn't seen for a while or, or you know, maybe forgotten about because I'm not as big an, an elite league follower as yourself. But Mark Garside going to Nottingham. It's the first pro club I think he's had outside of, of Belfast following his Caps time. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny seeing some, some players that are maybe associated with a certain town going to other places. I think there's some Steel Dogs. Steel Dogs seem to have the most players drafted. Um, but... It's quite interesting that the Steelers seem to have made a point of trying to draft as many Steel Dogs as they can. I don't know if that's maybe just me picking up on that, but they've obviously they protected Liam Kirk. They've they've drafted Alex Graham. Um, do, do you think that's them trying to keep their identity a bit, or trying to give some of these guys that are maybe younger and um, maybe going to be big Steelers players of the future um, a taste of what it's like to play for the hometown club? I, I think that's the thing, and, and that's exactly it, that I'm sure in <clears throat> in 10 years' time, depending on how things play out, you, you might be looking at the established names of Phillips and Dowd and, and the Hewitts of this world who've been synonymous with the Steelers for a number of years. When they've gone on, you might be talking about the Kirks and the Grahams of this world and and those being kind of the, the names that roll off the tongue as the established Steelers Brit players. And, and yeah, it's about it's about keeping that kind of identity and... I know the Steelers coach, Aaron Fox, said basically it's an opportunity to have an extra five weeks with these kids and teach them more about the systems and more about kind of how how he wants them to play. And and you've got to remember, some of these kids have kind of missed out on, on all this development, if you know what I mean. And they, they've missed out on the hockey as well. And, and they, they learn so much from being around these elite league players and these coaches and, and kind of everything that they can get from it. So it's you can understand... As a coach, you kind of want that continuity, would you? In terms of, it's a little bit like you, Rambo. Like take one of take one of the Steel Queens girls that you've been you've started to develop and started to coach a little bit. Mm-hmm. You you would want to kind of retain that player and kind of you're already invested in in kind of their development and you might not necessarily want them to go somewhere else and train with someone else for five or six weeks and come back and be like, well, actually, hold on, maybe I like that other place better. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's true because I mean, as far as I understand, I'll be back to the sort of with with for one with respect to the late league, back to the sort of free for all that it was before with signings um, next season. Uh, which you can understand why. I mean, logistically, I think a draft's quite a difficult thing to do in Britain with the structure we have. Um, but you're right enough. I mean, do, do the Steel Dogs want Alex Graham to maybe go to Manchester, love the Manchester setup, and think, well, you know what? It's not that far from Sheffield. Um, I could go and play here uh, in the Elite League next season um, when, it, when it gets full-time, and, and then he's a superstar for Manchester uh, yeah, no, I I totally see where you're coming from in that, Nick, and I think you I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, but it, there are some strange strange bedfellows, I guess. So as I said, you know, um, Mark Garside's one. I think is it Ben Lake from the Steel Dogs? Is it Manchester as well? So um, a few yeah. interesting different people. Um, what what stood out to me is a name that I I didn't realise was still playing professionally because. He's a, a bit older, but obviously still doing a job because I always remember him as a great goalie. Was uh, Stevie Lyle uh, going to join the Manchester Manchester yeah. Storm? So um, a lot to be excited about, um, and I think weirdly, Nick, this is perhaps the most excited I've been about the Elite League in a long time, and and that that might be because of you know we've been deprived of hockey for so long, uh, or it might just be because th- this draft has made it really interesting. I don't know, but uh, is this so the most excited you've been for elite league hockey in a while, or um, are you? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's it's going to be very interesting because you you're going to get obviously this condensed schedule, and I think everybody's a little bit intrigued as to as to how this is going to play out in terms of the elite league as kind of a, a fairly established product in terms of um, decent teams and some decent players in there, and, and like quite a, a fairly you know what you're going to get kind of thing it kind of throws it upside down a little bit and makes it a little bit more interesting and obviously all being played in the same place and and over that set number of weeks it, it will be interesting you are going to get kind of some interesting matchups and some and some different looks at kind of things in terms of I'm sure there's going to be uh, I'm sure there's going to be some twists and turns it'll be interesting I, I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Manchester and Coventry are there to just make up the numbers if you know what I mean no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I think you know. Obviously, the Steelers. I would think are probably the favourites. Um, I don't think they'd have been drafting. You know, sort of fourth if they were if they were considered to be the weakest team. Um, but I think with this draft system, with it, the way things are, I think Manchester and and. Uh, and Coventry are going to going to put up a good a good showing, and it will be pretty good hockey, you know, good level. It will not be any embarrassing one-sided affairs. I hope, um, except maybe you know the odd one, but um, yeah, I think it should be quite quite interesting, and it levels the playing field when there's a draft system in place. I think a little bit. Um, do you think Do you think uh, it creates a bit of a challenge for coaches to have these uh, these sorts of you know? players they've never worked with before in a in a sort of weird sort of bubble situation where you're probably meeting them for the first time a few days before the first game. Um especially those in, that are currently playing their trade in the NIHL. Yeah, I think I think you are gonna get that, but I think quite a lot of the well, we know from our exposure to the UK hockey scene, it is a very close knit kind of community and even even in our coaching circles, you'll know from putting across 
the IAS rosters, etc., there's always someone at the end of a phone who probably either knows a guy or has coached a guy who can probably give you a good a good read on them. And, and that's kind of the impression you got from last night when I was watching the the draft that um, either as players or coaches, a lot of these guys, whether it be, be Danny Stewart or Ryan Finity or uh, Guy Doucette, have obviously been around the British game for long enough that a lot of the times it was, oh, well, I used to coach this guy when I was a coach here or or I spoke with this guy who told me about this guy. It's kind of, I don't think there was many necessarily out of the blue unknowns in terms of like, hey, we'll, we'll completely and utterly give this guy a chance. I've got no idea who he is. Um, there was quite a, quite a lot of kind of more structured, put it that way, in terms of uh, work. But yeah, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how it all works out because I think there might, will be some, <clears throat> some surprises there in terms of... Uh, some of the bits and pieces working out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, any predictions? You, who, who do you think's gonna Who do you think's gonna win this elite league challenge, Nick? Uh, I would say the Steelers. Like, I, I think <clears throat> if you if you just looked at the rosters as they are right now, and I know that import recruitment's gonna be a big thing, but you've got to presume that the the Steelers and the Panthers are gonna bring back a, a usual strong cast of imports. But I would say when you look at the look at the Brits who are involved, uh, I think unfortunately, well, fortunately for my case, um, the Steelers probably do have the best Brit pack on paper, uh, front to back. I know obviously the the Panthers traded up and and took Ben Bounds, but I, I still think the Steelers probably Brit wise have a little bit too much for uh, some of the other teams certainly, and we'll we'll see how it plays out. But I think if you can go off all that we saw 18 months ago or 12 months ago, the Steelers, if they're bringing back a similar team to the, what they had, they were arguably up there with Cardiff as the, as the best team in the country. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too far away from, uh, from the Steelers. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think just looking at it from my limited knowledge of the league, um, the Steelers are probably got the best chance of, of, of a victory um, overall in this. Um, I think, you know, it's one of these things where, Teams will beat each other, even the favourites will lose games, so it should be quite interesting in that respect. Um, but we'll, we'll, I guess we'll see we'll see what's what with with these different teams. Um, so here's here's one for you, Rambo. Did you uh, did you know a, a GBU connection to yesterday's draft? I may have missed that. Go on. Ivan Antonov of GBU fame was drafted by the Coventry players. Was he? I, I must have missed that. I was looking to see if his name uh, came up because I did see he was in the list of t- players that uh, that could be drafted. Um, yeah. And uh, but I wasn't sure um, if he had been drafted. I, m- I must have missed that when I was uh, scrolling through the the draft picks earlier on um, on Elite Prospects. Uh, that's that's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on in the uh, um, you know. You know, if he gets some good ice time with the with the Blades. He was uh, he, he's someone who's obviously put up incredibly good numbers in NIHL and NIHL one. So <clears throat> I think quite rightly, as the Coventry coach said, this is perfect perfect opportunity to have a look at someone. Uh, exactly, and um, you know he's uh, he's he was doing well. I mean, I was watching I, I watched both uh, at least bits of, but I watched the full Steel Dogs game on on uh, on Saturday. Uh, which actually ended up being a little bit of a disappointment in terms of com- competition because they, they won seven nil. Um, Bracknell had a player tossed for a, a high stick, you know, an accidental high stick that draws blood, 
and NHL level is still a match penalty under our house rules, which yeah. drives me insane. Um, but he, they, they had a player, as I say, tossed out. In that five minutes, Sheffield scored four goals. It was already 3-0, but there was a bit of fight in, in, the, in the Bracknell team, but that killed it. Um, and I watched the second game, most of the second game, um, when my Wi-Fi wasn't cutting out, and uh, it was a much better game. Um, but watching Antonov, he, he did look like he was keeping pace with the Sheffield team, albeit maybe his other players were, didn't quite have the experience or the, or the or the were at that level yet to keep pace with with a Steel Dogs team, which is essentially, as we can see, with the amount of draft picks they have, full of steel, full of elite league talent. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on when he's in a team full of elite league talent playing against other teams of elite league talent. And I wish him all the best, as I do, with all the players. Um, the other wrinkle I noticed, Nick, was uh, that Nottingham seemed to have drafted the most Scots players. Um, however, I, I'm, I'm pleased to confirm to you as, as an avid Steelers fan that that hasn't drawn me in to root for them during this competition. Um, I still <laughs> That's good news. I still can't bring myself to do it. Um, I think I think I'll maybe I'll maybe for Stevie Lyle's sake I'll, ed, I'll edge towards Manchester because you know I'm not sure I can root for a team that Simsy uh, Simsy supports either. So you know it's... I could also, I could also appreciate that. <laughs> um, but um, <clears throat> yeah, so that that's that. Hopefully I don't know if it's been announced yet. But hopefully it'll be on Premier Sports and stuff. Um, I don't know if I've missed that, but I'm, I'm hoping it'll be in Premier Sports, Free Sports, and and all that sort of thing. It'll be easy enough to to access. Uh, for people, I'm sure there'll be a streaming service as well that you can you can pay pay for to watch that. Now, just briefly, Nick, I'll just touch on the NHL. NHL One North has been aired completely free. Um, you can get all the the details of that if you go on the IHA website. Um, I'm trying to put up the details as and when they come when I see them to to allow people to watch some hockey. So NHL One North is free. NHL One South. I'm not sure if it's all free. One of the games was definitely pay-per-view this weekend. And then the, the National is, is £12 a game. Um, I, as I say, I watched the Steelers and the and the Bees, both their games, and I watched a bit of the Scimitars, Nick, and then I had to mm-hmm. try and find it, figure out what the hell a Scimitar is. <laughs> um, they played, uh, they played, and then the Wild played, uh, the Witness Wild played Nottingham Lions, and that was a, that was a cracking game. It was back and forth. Ultimately, the Wild are just too strong. They've got a line. Which, speaking of uh, GB connect or um, BIHA connections, Richard Hager um, of the Hull IceHogs fame was, uh, yep. was a big part of uh, that Witness Wild team. So it was it was interesting seeing that. Um, I don't know if you've been if you've caught much of it, Nick, but certainly it's, it's decent quality hockey. And it, what I quite like about it is the is the commentary is actually kind of like our style. It's a bit more relaxed and a bit more enthusiastic perhaps than professional um which i'm not saying that we're not professional obviously um but I'm, I'm thinking obviously they've watched our coverage and seen that we're obviously the wave of the future so i think so um which brings us brings me back to the late league you know premier sports if you're looking i mean aaron murphy can't do all games he'll ruin his vocal cords so you know nick and i are available for a nominal fee of probably just giving us you know access to watch the game <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's pretty good, uh, Nick. And uh, one of the guys on it is from Bracknell. Um, and I, I had the chance to interview him. I don't know if you ever heard Graham Bell's commentary before, Nick. 
I think I have. But um... yeah, he do, he does the uh, like the finals weekends for NHL and things like that. Um, so he's, he's, he knows he knows a lot about the players and stuff, but he's also a bit mad, which uh, um, drew me into the commentary very quickly the first time I listened to him. So I'll, I'll just go to that interview now and let, let the people at home hear what, what Graham's all about. Welcome on to the pod, uh, Graham Bell. Uh, hello, Graham. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, Rich. How are you? I'm good. Um, I've not been called Rich in a hockey podcast for a while. but um... <laughs> I'm polite, you see. First time round, it's like that. I have the same issue. Most people call me Belly in this sport, and then so when someone calls me Graham, I sort of have to sort of wait two or three times, and then someone goes Belly. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's well, just there you there you go, Graham. Uh, I can call you Belly if you like, um, or maybe stop me uh, thinking in my head that he is not the guy who invented uh, what's it, television or phone or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, I'm the phone guy. I'm the less exciting guy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So um. Uh, belly um if that's what you prefer to be called T- tell us a bit about how you got in- involved in hockey what sparked your interest in the game of ice hockey um yeah I, the best way to describe it is i feel like i'm a sky baby uh, i grew up in sort of the big 90s really grew up in reading so just down the road was bracknell ice rink but it wasn't like i was going to bracknell ice rink going skating or anything it genuinely was sitting down on a thursday night and it rolled around to half seven and Oh, what's on Sky Sports 2 this week? Oh, there's this sport called ice hockey. Oh, well, this is quite fun to watch. Look, there's the odd fight here. There's plenty of goals. There's plenty of action. And then, oh, your parents go, well, you do know there is a team just down the way, don't you? You do know there's a team down in Bracknell. So took myself and the parents, kept, took me down to Bracknell Ice Rink. And, yeah, it was pretty much love at first sight. Um, and, and one of the big things to me about ice hockey always was, and I say, I'll even say this to the guys now, look, I can barely t- put two feet in front of each other on the ice rink. So if if you go play football, there's a good chance you can fluke a goal. If you go play cricket, there's a good chance you can take wickets, score runs, etc. So when I was watching ice hockey growing up, the, the, these guys were like heroes to me because they're able to do things that I just couldn't possibly do. And yeah, it just the sort of love affair grew from there. Um and they were very lucky when I was at um, university at Winchester. The guys, we were starting on the journalism. We were the first ever year of the journalism course there. And they sort of said, well, go make a contact with a local team. Like, try and see if we can film some matches. And luckily, right on our doorstep at that time was an elite league team in Basingstoke. So I uh, went and spoke with the then coach, Ryan Aldridge, and a guy called uh, John Teasy, who's still very much involved there. And, um, yeah, we we were just very lucky enough. We asked, oh, can we come in and film some highlights, maybe film some matches? Yeah, of course you can. No worries at all. And from there, it sort of just grew into what has been, what now, 12, 12 odd years involved, 12, 13 years involved in the sport. And yeah, it's always enjoyable. Or it just You just love every minute that you're involved in, in what is still known as one of the UK's best kept secrets. But for those of us who are in it, we, just, we all just love it. We're all mad for it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um I mean, from a uni perspective, we wouldn't have folk travelling to rinks at 10, 10 at night for for a training session if we didn't love it. So, uh, very, very, very true. Um, and in terms of, uh, in terms of, you said you were a Sky baby, and you mentioned Sky Sports too. So that's maybe before some people's time actually. Sky Sports having ones and twos. Um, <laughs> uh, was that back sort of BPL days, or was that the 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 Super League or the early onslaught of the the Elite League that you you sort of got involved in hockey or got interested in hockey 
Yeah, so I really got interested in it was the Super League era, so uh, really was that time when it was like the yeah, Scottish Eagles, the Manchester Storm, obviously playing in the big old MEN, the Steelers, Nottingham still in their old little rink and such like, and yeah, you, you loved everything to do with that. In terms of getting involved in the sport, it really was uh, the very tail end of uh, Basingstoke's era in the Elite League for the yeah, that's right. The, the the elite league, and then as they made that transition to the um, what was then obviously the EPIHL, and that was sort of in. I sort of graduated at that time, and then moving across and still setting up things for the Winchester guys to get involved. And I can distinctly remember people in Basingstoke saying, oh, "I'm not going to, I'm not going to go watch this. I, I'm just going to watch the elite league. That's all I want to watch. There's no way I'm going to go watch the EPL." Well, the previous three four years, obviously having grown up around Bracknell, I'd watched the EPL. I knew what a decent enough product it was on the ice to watch and it was quite funny then sort of walking into the rink the next year and you're seeing people you're like you said you were never going to come watch a game in this league and they're like yeah i actually quite enjoy it it's not bad hockey is it it's like mm-hmm. precisely it's what it is and the same transition happened when the sort of the chatter was around the drop from the epl down to the nihl you heard people going that's me done never setting foot in an ice rink again and then Oh, look, next time you walk into these ice rinks, the same old faces are there and they're all just like, yeah, you know what? It's quite good. The hockey, isn't it? We get to see all these great young talents. We get to see all these great young British kids and we get to see some not so young British guys putting out on the ice and, 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 and passing on their knowledge and skills and such like. And that's sort of how it's for me really has been that transition has been you go from this era of where it's well, the Super League, you barely had a Brit in the league. Obviously, Tony Hand, Johnny Weaver, David Longstaff, like you had the you had the real top guys. But now you transition to this point where certainly I'm involved at NIHL level, where there's only two of these import players, and especially right now with the Spring Cup going on in Bracknell, we have none of these import kids guys with us. So instead, you get to see all these British guys out on the ice, and you get to see them all. And it's crazy to think probably that that you see these days of these British guys. It probably across the board the best you've ever seen in terms of british players going right back in time because you don't like to compare eras but the guys are fitter the guys are stronger the guys are more tactically aware the guys are more skillful the equipment's better so it's really quite cathartic when you like you now involve this where oh you get to see just good british talent go out and play and good british kids and good british older veterans all coming together like it's yeah it's it's a real sort of cathartic thing these days for me ice hockey yeah, yeah, um, that's that's interesting. You make that comparison because I remember when uh, when the racers, the first incarnation, uh, disappeared, and we ended up by you know over a passage of time with the Capitals, and I remember being quite cross that the the level had dropped. But there was a few people that made the the argument that the the actual standard of hockey um, was better. It was just the fact that the racers were more akin to winning things that was getting to me, and I, I think. In hindsight, <laughs> uh, it probably is true that the, the, the standard of hockey now, the level of skating, the level of skill is, is probably much higher. And is that, I take it that's what you were you were driving at there. Yeah, indeed. And it's funny, like, obviously, when we were back in, back a year ago, when we were sort of beginning to sort of move into the pandemic, it's like, right, what can we do to sort of keep fan bases involved and such like and very lucky a friend of mine has a lot of tapes from the sky era and he started uploading them onto youtube and such like you actually go watch the super league hockey back then it's not from what you see certainly i think the elite league is a better standard these days than what the the super league was back then i appreciate some people will sit here and shout and whinge and moan and you can't complain you can't compare eras and such like i get this all the time but the actual quality of the play is a better quality of play now even in the nihl levels 
and that's because of all the advancements you've just pointed out. And yeah, I think you only have to look at someone new walking in the ring. Those of us like you and I have been around the sport for years and watched it back in, back before Wei Yen as well. You you do have that sort of misty-eyed romance. You have people who will talk about the BHL as like being the best hockey they ever saw in this country because it was high-scoring games. You would go in an ice rink and it'd be a 10-6 game. Well, this weekend in the Slough Ice Arena was Telford versus Bracknell. It was a 2-1 game. And it's one of the most exciting games I've watched in years because it was tight. It was tense. There was a lot of skill level on both shows. There was some outstanding netminding from both ways as well, which is definitely something you didn't get with British netminders back in the 90s. Um, but it may someone new walking into that rink, if they were allowed to, would fall in love with the sport exactly the same way that we did back in time. Because what you the product you watch in front of you is your first memory and they'll go, wow, this is this is really some hockey to watch and really some hockey to enjoy. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. And uh, and um, I think I think you're right. I mean, I haven't watched all the uh, all the NHL games, but uh, the first one I watched um right through was was the Bracknell game that you did uh with uh Swindon I think you were you were on commentary um and and to be honest with you I was only going to watch it for a little while and I got kind of hooked on the product and I got hooked on your uh your commentary so so what was your first memory or or how did you first get involved in commentating So this this is one of those sort of great stories that um, so the year after I graduated, the guys at Winchester were still very keen to to do sort of ice hockey and work and because and, they saw it as a fantastic thing. And uh, so a new group of lads came along and they're like, do you know what would be really so we can commentate on this? And I, I stupidly put my hand in the air and went, well, I'll, I'll do the commentary. I know I've graduated, but I'm sort of helping with you this link. I know the sport, so I should be able to call it. And. The very first game I had to do was Basingstoke 12, Bracknell nil. <laughs> and you just, for the first game of commentary you're trying to do, you sat there and you're like, right. And for those who know my style of commentary, I, I try to, I try to get across my enjoyment. I try to get my, across my passion for it. Um, sometimes it shattered voices the days after games like certainly i'm certainly quite husky on a monday at the moment um it's where the vocal cords haven't been used this way in a little while um and the first couple of games i could be like without a, with, i didn't realize i had a microphone in front of me i was sort of just bellowing into it um but luckily to years of that in basingstoke um Obviously, the sort of all the years doing the EPIHL finals, um, and then obviously transitioning into the NIHL finals as well. Just, I, I, I got lucky. I don't think there's any other way I, I can describe it. I got very lucky. I put my hand up in the right place at the right time. Um, and it's something I, I would encourage for any uh, going and chat with uni students about this sort of thing is just try and if you if you, if you turn around to your local club and in whatever sport, whether it's rugby, whether it's football, whether it's and, and cricket, ice hockey, whatever it is, turn around and go, well, I can help you out with this. I can volunteer to do this. You'll end up doing things that you never thought you'd be able to do. I never thought I'd be sat there commentating on the final four is the biggest games of the season over here in, in the EPL. Never thought that. I used to buy those DVDs when I was younger to watch. Never thought I would actually be the person calling those games for people at home. And I just think, it, it, I say, I got very lucky. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a fantastic story. Um, I uh, I mean, I, I, I do a bit of the commentary for the, the university, uh, you know, the nationals that we have every year. And it's very... Uh, similar that I just happened to be helping out as one of the committee members and asked if I could commentate and sort of 
that's how I got into it. And it's, it's 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 great fun commentating on a game, and I I think I like your I enjoy your style because it's not too serious and it's uh, but it's it, there's knowledge there of the game, and I, I actually commented on that on uh, on Twitter, um and uh, a friend of mine got in touch and said you know that he he had listened to you from back in the day as well so and he he enjoyed your commentary. I don't think he was even listening to the stream, but he knew immediately who you were. So it just shows you're 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 uh, transcending transcendent almost uh, <laughs> that's words I've never, they've never been used to describe me but <laughs> um yeah yeah so um obviously the uh the spring cup has uh it's, it's started i think there was a there was a small like sort of series uh just before christmas time but i'm not sure were were uh, the bees involved in that no, we weren't. Uh, obviously, it's been a quite a, a challenging 12 months for everybody. Um, and certainly it's been yet another challenging 12 months in the history of uh, what is now obviously the Bees Ice Hockey Club following the, uh, the, the sad closure of the John Knight Leisure Sport Complex and, and, and the club having to find a new home, which we're very happy to now be um, building our future in Slough. Uh, working greatly alongside the Jets, uh, everyone active and Slough Borough Council to do so. Certainly a little bit of the heart of the club has been hit a little bit hard uh, with the move with the move out of the hive. It's such an iconic building. It's such a amazing place. And, and that's just the toboggan run outside. So um, it's a real sort of it's been a really big 12 months. And probably that first streaming series came along a little bit too early for us uh, this time around. We've climbed on it uh, and I I can't believe like how just how nice it is to be back in a rink on a saturday or a sunday and that's just me talking as an office volunteer i can't imagine what it's like for those for the players right now it must be so good for them mentally and so good for them just physically and so good for the just having had that ripped away from them was hard for everybody as a fan and everybody's a volunteer but as a player you're building up towards the playoffs and then with a flick of a switch that's you done another chance now they're back together as a team it's great yeah yeah and I, I think i think it is good for the players and i'm glad they're going to get some some hockey this year i mean um that my uh my, my girls team had had qualified for their playoff and uh and then as you see with the flick of a switch that was that was the end of it um so it, it it's good to see players back on nice and, and i have to say uh the streaming series, if people get the chance, they should they should watch it. It's worth, you know, it's worth the twelve pounds to pay for it. Um, I know it seems like a a lot of money to maybe some people, but you know, if you you're a family of four, that's three quid each to watch a hockey game. It's not it's not a great deal of money, and it's 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 decent hockey, and it's feeding back into grassroots as well, which is yeah. so important for the for the uh, the evolution of the the great British game. Um, now you. Uh, I did want to ask you a little bit about the bees, and you've mentioned Bracknell closing down. Um, I thought it was very bold of the bees to go from Bracknell bees to becoming the uh, the world bees. Um, could you could you explain a bit about the, the background <laughs> in, in, in relation to that? Yeah, indeed. So obviously we've got we've got great title partners uh, in Bracknell. Sorry, apologies. We've got a lot of great sponsors in Bracknell and a lot of great partners. But recently, um, TSI World have come on board, um, and it is that challenge. Like I can't deny we. Uh, we did sit there and when we we knew that we would be moving into Slough, we did have a quite a long conversation about, well, do we continue the, the great heritage and the great history of the club that dates back to, to the late 1980s? Uh, very 
iconic jerseys, uh, very iconic names and legends, and very iconic people associated with the club, all the way down to Brian Miller. Um, just really iconic people who sort of come, who, who are a part of the fabric. And it could have been easy just to pull a rug and go, yeah, no, we're actually just going to rename it. We're going to be called something else. Um, I don't think we ever even got to the stage of working out what that thing else would be because we sat there and we went, you know what? We've got to continue the history of this. This is this is the club for the fans as well. They've had their club taken from them. So we're going to try and keep it alive. And, and who knows? I'm not saying it's going to happen in five to ten years' time. Maybe someone realises that actually sport needs investment in this country. And maybe somebody realises that, you know what? We, we had an ice rink in, in Bracknell. Wouldn't it be nice to have another similar capacity ice rink in Bracknell? And maybe there's an opportunity that the bees can can come home. Um, I live in Basingstoke, and same is happening with the football club right now. The football club turfed out by an owner two, three years ago. They've ended up playing on the road in Winchester and such like. They got back into Basing at the start of this season and played three games, and then COVID has called it off them. What should have been a really great homecoming for them back into the town has sort of been postponed, and now there's a great big fight going on to reclaim their old ground, which has now just been left to rot by this owner. Um, and I hope at some point there will be a realisation that actually sport is the lifeblood of this country. It's so important to so many people mentally, physically, emotionally. And maybe we're just going to see, yeah, you know what, we actually need to start investing and also looking after some of the facilities that we have as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, you know, these older rinks, people moan about them, but once they go, that's a community lost in ice rink because it's very hard to get them back. Um and uh, and I hope I do hope that Bracknell gets gets a rink back because it, I mean personally I've I've never been to Bracknell for a game, um, but I remember Bracknell bees coming to visit Murrayfield when I was about five or six uh, when the with BPL days. So uh, you know it's it's uh, there there are long storied clubs certainly, and it would be a shame for for Bracknell not to have that story anymore, but. Um, I think you're making the best of it in Slough, and, uh, and it seemed to be quite a good setup. Um, you had the uh, obviously that, that first that first streaming game, and, and one of the bits that I uh, I quite enjoyed about it is the fact that it's quite gratuitously biased your commentary when you're when you're <laughs> uh, you're doing a bees game. Um, are, are you aware of that, or is it just kind of you know you're you're such a passionate fan that it just comes out anyway? Yeah, I mean, I'm aware of it. I can sit here and say that. I, you, you call for your home crowd, don't you? Uh, I mean, I'm not quite. I, was, I got sent a clip the other day by a, a friend of mine of a uh, indie fuel game over in the ECHL, and he was just saying you need to work on how you call the opposition goal because you care a little bit too much about the opposition goal as well. And he sent me this indie fuel one, and literally he goes and the player comes goal. And that's it. There's no sort of anything. I feel that I, I, I'm duty bound to give a little bit more. But yeah, obviously I. Again, is, is, is it the little bit of the failed actor in me? Probably. Um, but you, you, you ham it up for your home crowd, don't you? And um, I, don't, I, and I don't have a problem with that. And I, I don't mind that uh, where you have commentators who do that. Like you look across the streaming series right now, there's very different commentators. Mark Beggs, you're going to get probably much better insight into an individual player than you're going to get from me because Mark has been talent spotting and developed with some of these young kids where I definitely haven't. Shuttleworth, you've got wealth of experience, knows the law book like the back of his hand. So as a result, can bring that insight to the game as well. Uh, you've got the guys in Romford and you've got Roger obviously up in Sheffield as well. We all have our different ways of coins. We all have our different things. And I'm not sitting here and saying that 
my way is the right way and they're all wrong because yeah maybe i'm a little bit sort of biased towards the bees maybe i see a little bit too much of a positive in what we do can we just anything that the uh the, the opposition do is a nightmare um but i think we can all agree that mainly the officials will just cop it no matter what i think well, that's that's a fair comment <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i think i find that at nationals when you're you're there for six 16 hours a day uh, doing commentary then and and it's quite you know the officials are an easy target some of them some of them i have to say they come up and they help us <laughs> with things and they, but they take it all in good humor actually most of them i think they realize that you know <laughs> i think some of them are you know i i'm a i'm a rep I sort of do a bit of lining, but I, I don't do it to the standard of yeah. some of them. But I think some of them kind of are a little bit kind of like it, actually, uh, getting chirped and stuff. <laughs> um, and, and, it's, it's, it's part and parcel of it, isn't it? It's, it? It really is part and parcel of the game. Like um, Andy Russell always says, there's no game without them. And it is true. There is no game without the Stripes. But I think they enjoy that that little bit of the, the, little bit of the two-way that you're having with these people. And like, look, Dave Cloutman gives as good as he gets, so <laughs> he can't say fairer than that, really. Yeah, he he was my uh, officiating manager, and I can confirm he gives <laughs> as good as he gets. He's always got a story for us as well. Now, um, one of the th- one of the calls I have to I have to ask you about if you were aware at the time, just 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 how funny it sounded was <laughs> was uh, one of, one of the goals for Bracknell against Swindon. Luke, for all intents and purposes, like it was put in with a high a high stick. Um, you mentioned it on commentary. However, what you did go on to say was um, there's no VAR, which is good news for everybody, which I pointed out on Twitter that it wasn't good news if you were a, Swind- if you, if you were a Swindon Wildcat. Were, were you aware at the time was that, that that was hilarious or was it just kind of that just came out and... Maybe uh, in hindsight, you realised how funny it sounded. Yeah, no, I think that's a mixture of the two. Like, I, I feel that week, the first week of the season, there were definitely two digs that I wanted to get in, just generic sort of opening the door, bringing everybody in. One was about VAR and the other was obviously about the fiasco of the ice in Lake Tahoe. So if there was any issue whatsoever with the ice at the Slough Ice Arena, I was going to make a Lake Tahoe excuse about it. All. And to be fair, Later in the evening, the exact same happened on a different commentary as well. Um, but no, like, I can remember one, uh, I think it was an EPL final where they did actually install video technology for, I think it, it must have been the final. It was the first, and I hadn't been told on commentary. So all of a sudden I'm sat there and I'm giving it waxing it lyrical about this goal. And then out of nowhere, someone goes, Oh no, it's gone to video review. And I'm like, you didn't tell me there was video review. <laughs> like, that would have been quite a handy thing for me to know because I've now got to try and compensate around the fact, oh, there is a video review going on. Yeah, I definitely knew that was happening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I'm still trying to bring out a social distancing one at the moment. That, that's my next call. I need to get in. If there's at one point a defender is just so far off a, off a forward as he scores goal, I might have to make a looks like he's still practicing good social distancing comment. I'm sure that will. I'm hoping that goes out <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. Either that, I'm going to have to store it up for September, and I think we'll all be over it by then. So, <laughs> well, I've maybe got some some more ammunition for you, and I uh, I don't know if you Daniel Fay obviously plays for the bees. Uh, yes one of the players, and um, he is uh, currently in the leadership group of the, the GBU Great British Me- University uh, men's team. And so I, I sent a sort of post to him and said, do you have any questions? Well, I, I sent it to the captains of GBU, do you have any questions? 
And Jackson Price came back and told me that Daniel Daniel's nickname is actually The Wrench. And I'm not sure if you knew that. Um, I, I, I never got the background as to as to why, but I'm sure you can maybe use that in uh, in commentary at some point. Um, you know, about if he breaks up a play, he's throwing a wrench in the works or whatever. Uh, so that's, that's one for Daniel. And um, of course, Stuart Mogg is known the world over as the BIHA celebrity, as he used to cut a... He once uh, called into the national stream from a pub. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, th- things that don't surprise me, definitely Stuart Morgan pub doesn't surprise me there <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but like, I, I mean, uh, great for that with Dan. I've instantly written that in my commentary book because it doesn't all just come off the top of the head. So that's definitely going to happen. But someone, someone like Moggy, like um, oh, he's going to hate me for saying this i know you hate me but like i watched i watched moggy graf in, in basingstoke i watched him develop into this forward that was sort of played um and then i watched him develop into this d-man that ended up being an all-star in the league and now and now i look at him and he's, he's the captain of the team that i work with and I sort of it's been it's been great to watch how he's grown and how he's matured and how he's developed and i know like even talking about his experience with the university guys and how much that helped mold him uh i think it's incredible just and that that's what i'm talking about like when i was saying earlier on about how you see these young men develop and how you see see these young players develop into these really well-rounded figures and Stuart Mogg really to me yeah i mean give him full credit for calling into a meeting from a pub that instantly gives me (laughs) big credit for me but i think that just i think that says a lot about him as a character and i like and how uh, how proud he should be of what he's been able to achieve with with his career on and off the ice, and and how much he's looked up and respected by by so many within the game. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons he gets he gets a lot of respect from from us is is BHA guys that do this sort of commentary and things is is the fact despite all these achievements on the ice and and the level that he's he sort of plays at and he he clearly. A level above universities, the ordinary university player, he's still willing to sort of come and play the game a little bit with us and come up and have a laugh with us up the stairs and and, and all that sort of thing, you know, in the in the gantry that we have at, at our nationals, um, and I really respect that from from him because it'd be quite easy for him just to sort of be a bit kind of snooty and 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 not be that interested and think it's all a bit beneath him, but. Luckily, um, we seem to have quite a few guys in the NIHL who quite like the university side of things and, and support it, so uh, props to all them. Um, you've also got another another superstar in the Bs, uh, Ivan Antonov, who uh, I think is, is, I think to quote RJ or Ricky Janer at the Buffalo commentary, he's got more moves than a, a monkey with 10, 10 yards of rope. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it must be a pleasure watching him play on a weekly basis. Yeah, it is. I mean, Valley's been just. Oh, I mean, I can remember when uh, back in Basingstoke days. I can remember when when Doug Shepherd was coached there, and he he called me and he said, "Um, I've I've done I've done the deal of the summer," and I was like, "Well, who have you signed then? Like, what what import have you brought in?" He, like, he's went, "No, I've done, I've done the deal of the summer. I've got I've got Vanya Antonov from the Bees coming into the Bison." I was like, "Holy." <laughs> like that is a game changer this great young kid so talented 
Uh, and then I can remember as well the first train after the first training session, Doug gave me a call and he went, yeah, it obviously went really well. Like Valley's really good. He said, it's just one thing about him though. He just plays with the biggest stick I've ever seen in my life. Like he just like you can just take it out of the wrapper. Doesn't need to do any work on it. Doesn't need to saw it. But he just goes, I'm gonna go play with it. And like <laughs> Rene Arlen, who was like double the size of him, is looking at him and going, why are you playing with such a long stick? But Vanya makes it work. And then I think this week, the weekend just gone against the, uh, the Tigers, uh, was a real showcase of what Vanya is as a player. Like it's not just, it's not just what he can do offensively. It's not just what he can do defensively, but a guy who's just got such good and poise on his skates, but also knows like, okay, this guy might be double the size of me in the case of Ricky Plant. But I know that if I just use my body strength here, Ricky ain't getting the puck. And I know that if I just ease into this guy here, he's going to go down on the ice with a hit. That's all just hockey smarts. That you, I, the kid is ridiculously talented. Uh, and I can imagine it's a pleasure for you guys. And as you say, like someone like Moggy and him and, and those guys coming together, just they just they love the sport. That's the big thing about these guys. They love the sport. They'll play it no matter what. You could easily see these guys, 40, 40, 50 odd, still turning out correct teams if their bodies will let them and maybe maybe the mind maybe the mind will want them to but the body won't quite let them do it but you, you could easily see those guys going on and just just going out and playing and going out and enjoying it because and also giving back because of the enjoyment that the sport has given them cool cool and uh, and just uh, i suppose to 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 talk about players in general i mean obviously we've talked a bit about some of the the bees players but um who who have you enjoyed watching the most um you know, in this in this streaming series, that's maybe not on the bees. Is there any? I mean, I don't know if you've watched any of the other streams, but uh, is there any uh, players that particularly popped out for you watching the stream so far, or, or being involved in commentating on them? Um, yeah, there's this kid in Sheffield, quite good. I think his name's Liam Kirk. Um, I think he's quite good at it. No, no that's. <laughs> I think he's quite good at hockey. Um, no, do you know what? Actually, it's been it's been really nice seeing the mix of elite guys coming down and stepping in and playing in this but and obviously i could sit here and point out oh it's great to watch kieran long play hockey again you can't not enjoy kieran long and i appreciate he's playing for us but you can't not enjoy watching josh batch last weekend the weekend before last for swindon where he was just completely dominating defensively every time he came out his own end he had his head up and such like but the real pleasure for me was i actually when i looked at the telford game and i was looking at back over this week and i've gone who actually stood out for me? And like, you can easily sit there and you can point your fingers at Jason Silphorn and such like. But some of the kids that are coming through up, up there for Tommy Watkins, guys like Austin Mitchell King, guys like Finley Howes, guys like uh, Daniel Mitchell and, and I'm sorry, Mitchell Oliver as well. Like, those kids are just impressive. Like, you sit there and you're like, oh, great. They've got another group of this bunch of players ready to go and ready to play. And, as full credit to what they do in Telford in turning these kids around and, and, and giving them ice time and giving them opportunities because it's frightening. You, you are, you look in that team where you've got Jonathan Weaver, Jason Silverthorne, Ricky Plant, Scott McKenzie, guys who are in the latter stages of their careers, some a little more latter than others. But you just see behind them there is this conveyor belt of talent getting ready to go. I, I do think Austin, Austin Mitchell King is going to be an outstanding play fill his body out a little bit he's a young kid it's fine they've got a lot of talent up there and it, it really stood out and i'm looking i'm looking forward to the, the week of games because i'll finally complete the route with with the raiders and, and steel dogs you know what you're getting 
You know, I always um, Brad Doxy, for instance, for the Steel Dogs, I think is a very underrated player. I've always said, I've always said, if if I could go back in time and I could say to my parents, look, I want to learn to play ice hockey. Um, and they'd go, no, 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 you can't do it. I was like, no, no, I want to learn to ice skate. I want to learn to play ice hockey. Because I genuinely would try and carve out a career these days just as a third-line grinder. Uh, I don't want to do anything. I just want to get in the corners, dump the puck in deep, chase it in hard. I'm not going to score you many goals. I'm not going to do many of the fighting stuff because I've got no pain threshold whatsoever. Um, but I, I, you could carve out, I think, a really good career as just a guy who grinds the opposition, works hard, is a great teammate. Um, and yeah, I, you can see some of these young kids just beginning to sort of creep on. Are they going to make it up to be first line stars? Maybe not, but they might have these great 15 year careers where they're just sat there working their bag off on the third line for your team. And every year you want to sign them. It'll be like, oh yeah, I want that guy on my team. Cause I know, well, that's penalty kill sorted. And I know every time he goes out on the ice, he's just going to work his backside off to make sure we don't lose and yeah there's quite a few there's been quite a few of them in the spring cup and i know there's players who will steal the headlines and players that everybody will be wanting to keep their eye on i think it's been really good to see some of the some of the top young talent that we do have in this country just just getting ready to start making a breakthrough hopefully next season when we return to a full play across all leagues yeah yeah that's that's great to hear and interestingly you mentioned scotty mckenzie there um i uh, when i first started hockey he played at Murrayfield, he was, I, I think he's about a year younger than me. Um, he played for Murrayfield as well as a youngster, and then he moved to Glasgow in Fife and tormented me because I was a goalie for a while. Um, so uh, I know what you mean about him being a good player. He's a very good, uh, a very good player, and uh, comes from a, you know, a, a family that supported him to be such a good player. And uh, and another claim to fame, my mum taught uh, Grant McPherson of the NHL fame how to skate, or helped teach him how to skate rather. He shouldn't teach him fully. So uh, <laughs> there's a bit of background there with some of the NHL guys, and uh, uh, yeah, it's good. To, it's good to hear hear that they're still going strong. Some of them. Well, exactly, and like you talk about Grant McPherson, there. Like I talk about guys who've just made a career. Like Grant McPherson's still going in the NHL now. He's still a really good antagonistic player um chips in here and there where he needs to within his team but he's had an incredible career like when you go back to that EPL team that the Lightning had which conquered all for quite a few years where you had like Michael Wales, Grant McPherson, Matt Tawalski all in their lineup like just guys who work their backside off and like obviously Matty and Michael have retired but Grant's still going and he's he's carved out a really decent career there really decent career yeah, yeah. Um, although um, I remember when the photos went done the rounds of him having that fight with Tony Hand, <laughs> um, I showed my mum and she was very disappointed because she used to have a no fighting policy in Perth uh, when he first started. Um, <laughs> so it was quite a funny interaction with her. So, you know, look, Grant's doing really well in hockey. Oh, he's fighting. And so it was great. <laughs> It was quite good, but uh, what, does she, what does she have to say about when he threw the beer over Andre Payet at the uh, EPL finals? I don't. I, I, she doesn't know about that one, and we'll, we'll, we'll better not tell her. <laughs> um, but she, uh, you know, it's it's great seeing some of these, as I say, some of these players that I've played with or 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 you know known for years uh, have moved down to to the NHL, and uh, hopefully. We'll get maybe maybe the racers and maybe uh, you know the the Dundee team or uh, as well as Saul, we can maybe join the NHL ranks someday and have a bit of that kind of atmosphere up here. I really um, hope so. I really hope so. I, I, at one point it looked like it was going to get it, 
it felt like it might happen a few years ago and i was really hopeful it would because yeah it, we need a i've never been to murrayfield i can put my hand on my heart i'd love it's one ring i need to go up to murrayfield and watch a game there and i'd love to see whether it's the races or, or whether solway come up i'd love to see <laughs> on, on an ironic week with what's going on with ice hockey uk at the moment uh you would love to see it all come together finally <laughs> and you'd love to see uh, um you'd love to see opportunities where we, we're not just focusing on the sport as england and scotland and it's two different problems um let's let's bring it together let's allow scottish talent the opportunity to develop to the best level they can and to the highest level they can uh rather than being held back because well the best you can do here is an SNL and a lower level NHL, and then it's elite league. There should be something in the middle for a team to get together uh, and make that work. Yeah, that's great. It's good to good to hear um, that someone as far south as Bra- well, Basingstoke, in fact, <laughs> is, is is prepared to travel all that distance to come and watch a game. Um, so just uh, I, I could I think I could talk to you for hours, but I, my fiance would have something to say about it. But um, <laughs> Just um, just to sort of get a little bit more about about some of your memories. I mean, what what's been your best memory from being involved in hockey? Oh, um, I've got two that two that really stand out, and it's um, the first one is um, the first ever game I did uh, a radio commentary for was in, uh, and this is more of a funny one was uh, Basingstoke Manchester in a. It was an EPL Cup semi-final and Manchester had come down to Basingstoke and had won. They had a two-goal advantage going into the second leg. And we agreed with Neil Morris and all sorts of people that we would do a, ra- a live radio commentary. And this is about 2000 and sorry, 2010, I want to say this is. So technology hadn't really, it's not quite like we're sat here on Skype right now. You didn't quite have that. So it took a lot of setting up. We got it all going and Basingstoke played outstanding this night and it was a heck of a game of hockey and Basingstoke actually came back and won it and we had about 400 people tuning in on this streaming platform which was just crazy but I remember like the game was counting down and we're getting to the final seconds I'm giving it a big build up about how Basingstoke have done it and I just in the in the moment I punched my fist in excitement as the with about a second to go on the buzzer and as I did so I knocked all the cables out on the stream (laughs) And I had so I I realized what I had done uh, and sort of plugged it all back in, picked it all back up and then just started talking again. And then like five minutes had gone by and then all of a sudden uh, John Neville, who was the owner, well, uh, owner, we'll call him owner of the of the bison. He ran over towards me and he went, you're completely offline. You've not spoken for five minutes. I've got all these texts asking what's happened in the final minute of the game. (laughs) <laughs> so i remember that one that was just a funny night where it was just like okay I screwed it up in the last minute impressive um the other memory one from bees one from bison i'm gonna have to do this because uh, they both mean very different things with the bison um uh, when we finally won the league title which i think the, the club had not done for over 20 odd years and just being in the rink that night and looking at the faces of of some of the people in the crowd um the dearly departed David Morris, who sadly passed away earlier this year, and just looking at the joy and excitement in him and his family's face that they had finally, finally climbed back up the mountain and finally won the, the title. Um, and then looking at the players, 
there are so many young kids who have come through the Basingstoke system, the likes of Stuart Mogg, and look at how delighted they were. Moggy has got, also got this reputation of every time he wins a title, he sometimes comes up, he always comes up to me on the ice and gets an interview and he got on Meridian a couple of times and he's got on BBC South a couple of times. So again, he's just building up that, um, the celebrity status that he seems to have. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a, that was just a great moment, just a, an achievement. And then with the bees, um, in, in more recent times, um, it was a similar one when we beat Swindon in the, uh, oh, what was it? It was the NIHL one South semi-final playoffs, second leg, whatever we're calling it. That meant that the, the bees would go to Coventry for the first time in, I think it was about 13 years by that point. And again, it was that similar emotion of the guys who had been part of the bees that had never gone to that level, like the likes of James Galazzi, the likes of Scott Spearing. Um, sorry, Scott had made, but it had been many years of, of, of really working hard within the club to do so. And the younger kids that were coming through who had n- never experienced that before. And then the fan base as well, who for, we know within 30, oh, 10, 13 years within a fan base, it, you'll get the old stages who remember the old Super League days and conquering all and such like. So they're emotional because it's reminding them of them days. You then got the new fan base that have sadly only really known struggle and challenge in Bracknell. And then all of a sudden they're getting this moment to experience what all these other teams have felt like. They're just, it's those moments. And that, that's what I'm missing about hockey at the moment is it's great being back in the rink. It's great being rinkside. It's great talking to the guys. It's great being part of the off ice team. But my word, do we miss the fans? My word, do we miss people in the building just being social, chatting to them, seeing familiar faces that, they, that you, you probably only see from September through to April. But you just know they're there. You see their routines on a match night and what they get up to. And you have a smile and a chat and a wave. And and like the game this last weekend when Vanya scored with one with less than a second to go in the first period to tie the game up. The goal went in and obviously the guys went ballistic, ballistic on the bench next year. But then there's just this silence that would otherwise be filled with the fans just going absolutely crazy and absolutely mental. We really miss that. Uh, and I know there's people who aren't back in the rink yet. And thankfully, we're really moving quick through this. We're going to have great return to play, I think. And hopefully come September at the latest, everybody will be back in the ice rink and everybody will be back together as just enjoying and loving the sport that we all love and has given us all pleasure and i think at that moment yeah that's when we're through the other side of what has been an awful 12 months for everybody really yeah that's that's good to have some positivity as well um so um just just uh quickly a couple of couple of quick things that I, i thought i would i would ask you um, obviously, uh, you're you're. A, a, it sounds like you're more of a hockey fan than a player. You you talk about worshiping the players. What's your sort of go-to hockey movie? Uh, <laughs> what, 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 what's your favourite? I mean, you have to go Slapshot, don't you? I mean, you can't not go Slapshot. <laughs> I had to introduce some of the guys at work. Like, obviously, people have been like, "Oh, what good sports movies are out there?" And we're sort of rolling through them. And I went, "How many of you have actually seen Slapshot?" And they're like, "What do you mean?" It's like Slapshot. It's like the most i one of the most iconic hockey films. And you start just bringing out lines like, "Who owns the chief? Who owns owns and such like?" And yeah, yeah. Slapshot every day. If I'm in a bad mood, put Slapshot on. I'll be in a happy place. Just don't okay. play Lady of Spain again. <laughs> um, it's funny you should say that. My, my favourite's actually Youngblood, but uh, I do love Slapshot as well, so it's not... You know, I mean, it's a, it's a close second, isn't it? And you can't go wrong with, what, uh, 
Tim Salmon in there and all sorts all sorts of players with links to the British game in, in Youngblood. Yeah, can't go wrong with it. Um, the other thing I was gonna gonna ask you is uh, how excited are you for the uh, the new Mighty Duck series on on Disney Plus? <laughs> I'm more excited for what is it? Fresh Chill on Netflix, which was filmed at Ice Sheffield. The i the whole the whole concept that a player in North America gets a scholarship to come playing in the UK has <laughs> just completely blown my mind. <laughs> I'm like, it's, eh? it's absolutely bonkers when people in the UK can't get scholarships to play in the UK, but it's quite funny. In fact, I, uh, I, my, the, the Steel Queens who I coach is a, a women's team up in Scotland. They, uh, they they played and um, they've played on the pad uh, when it was all painted and decorated with the, uh, I don't know what they stand for. Hurricanes, Highlanders. We'll find out when the when the, <laughs> when the program comes out. We played on the ice, ice nice. there. Um, so yeah, no, that that does blow my mind as well. Actually, <laughs> it should be quite interesting. I just want to see how they cover it. I've just got I've just got this vision that they're going to build the sport up in this country to be. Oh yeah, we we rival the NHL. <laughs> no British guy has ever been drafted apart from these two. Well, three, because we'll add Colin Shields to it, so we'll take that one. Uh, no British guy has ever been drafted. You could just see the storyline it just being like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. um, excellent. So um, just one last thing I get I get all the guests to do, um, and just uh, it's a good way for you to blackmail some of your friends to listen to our podcast. Um, <laughs> do, do you have anyone you, you want to give a, give a shout-out to? Um, I appreciate that uh, you might even have a spare moment when you're not, you know, hucking shirt off a back or something like that during <laughs> the live stream to even give the podcast a shout out. But uh, do, you, do you have anyone you want to give a specific shout out to on the pod? Oh, I mean, we've already mentioned him enough. I'll give Stuart Mogg another one because, I mean, it's like if, if I'm if I'm dealing with a celebrity now, this is just a whole new level. I'm, I'm going to be able to take the uh, Mickey taking too. But no, no, Stuart, obviously, and um, I can get extra points for the fiance as well. I can say, obviously, big year for him getting engaged during the pandemic. Full credit to him um, for, for taking for doing that. Um, <laughs> he's just agreed to buy a lot of dinner for a lot of people that haven't gone out for a long time. So uh, he's in for quite a shock when the wedding rolls around. Um, but yeah no just yeah Stuart's just a great lad um I keep I keep saying he keeps saying to me you need to when I'm injured I'm going to come do co-commentary when I'm when I'm injured I'm going to come do a game with you and I'm like I can't wait for that day I mean I don't want to see him injured maybe he can just like fracture an eyelash eyelash and have to miss a game and he yeah. can come up and do a commentary with me nothing too much I don't want like I don't want him to be harmed but you know just a little a light grazing or something, maybe that that will do, and you can get him on the get him on the commentary. <laughs> maybe just forget his jacket and get a sniffle to quote your favourite hockey movie. <laughs> <laughs> this will do. This will do. Now I'm gonna now, yeah, I'm gonna give him the sniffles. Now day, listed day to day with a 48 hour cold. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you gotta be careful listing someone with that now, because um, he <laughs> might be out two weeks. Uh, so. <laughs> I, I mean, I was touching my desk that's made of wood throughout all of that bit, so it's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good stuff. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I, I expected just to, it would be a 10-minute awkward uh, call, but it's not <laughs> been that at all, and it's been great to have you, so thank you very much. My pleasure, my pleasure. So there you have it. That was Graham uh, Bell there. Now, Nick, this was filmed before the week. This was recorded, sorry. It wasn't filmed at all. It was recorded before the weekend's games, and uh, I, as I say, caught kind of the tail end of the Bracknell game at the weekend because um, I was out with the dog and various things. But uh, 
one of the things that Graham seemed to get in a debate with with people, they they do the you know the social media stuff like we've been doing where people can tweet in or they can mm-hmm. message the thing was he got into a bit of a debate about um about roast dinners and how they're not for the summer. So I just wanted to get your take on this. Um, you know, like a Sunday roast, uh, you should stop having them around April, I think Graham's suggestion was. Um, not the, not having them every weekend, maybe you could have them the odd time, but in the summer they kind of, they lose their appeal. Um, is what, what do you say to that? You know what, actually, uh, this is incredibly funny. Uh, in our household, uh, myself and Beth, uh, we actually do kind of abide by that to an extent. So basically, our kind of schedule is we will have kind of a Sunday dinner uh, every every Sunday, obviously, every Sunday afternoon. Apart from, we don't have Sunday dinner from around towards the end of November uh, through to Christmas Day, because otherwise, basically, you I, I think that makes Christmas dinner a little bit more special, because let's face it, it is basically a, uh, a, a dressed up Sunday dinner. Do you not agree? I think that's a, I think that's a great show actually, Nick. Yeah. Yep. So so we make you savour it a little bit more, and then also off the back of that, we normally don't tend to have one for the next couple of weeks into January. But then yeah, I I you know what I do kind of agree with that in terms of we 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 kind of get maybe not maybe towards April May maybe for a June July August maybe in September yeah we might kind of steer away from it normally because. Um, Depending on what the weather's like, barbecue always factors into into the equation. is always a always a good shout, but normally because, to be honest, what, really 50, 52, 52 weeks a year, uh, fifty two weeks weeks in the year. Do you want fifty two Sunday dinners? Mm, uh, a change is as good as a rest. Put it that way. Yeah, I think you're. Uh, I think you're on the the nose there, Nick. I, I personally, I'm a big Sunday dinner guy. Um, you know, I've had I've, I like it now and again, but I don't think I like it every a uh, every weekend, even even during the winter. And I I think what you do with within the lead up to Christmas, I think that's a great idea, because you're right, Christmas dinner is essentially just a glorified Sunday roast with some pigs in blankets, and occasionally you force yourself to eat Brussels sprouts. Um, so so I think I think you're you're hitting the nose on the on the head there. Are you a, are you a cranberry sauce man, Nick? When you have your roast dinner? No, I'm I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not big with the sweet and the savoury. It's the same with the apple sauce with pork and stuff. I'd rather, to be honest with you, I'd rather if there's no gravy, I'd rather just have hot sauce or something. Um, <laughs> that maybe seems like sacrilege, but that's uh, that's a little extreme. <laughs> Um, so I just thought I'd, I thought I would get your take on on Sunday dinners, Nick, and, and you is you kind of I think you've went a step beyond what uh, what Mister Mister Bell was saying there because he's uh, you know, he's basically saying that don't don't do it on a don't do it for the whole summer. But you've said, hey, maybe you should get maybe you should get him back on and ask him what his opinion is on the uh, on the Christmas break on the Christmas break. I think so. This might become a whole thing. Um, I'm sure he would be willing to come back on because he was he was champing at the bit uh, when he came on and as people have heard he's a very enthusiastic man um, and was telling us all about the about the bees which of course have moved uh, Nick now to from Bracknell yeah. to Slough for the time being I don't know if Bracknell will get hopefully will get a rink back in Bracknell because it's a very storied part of the country I've not been to a game there personally Nick have you ever been down to Bracknell? Nope I haven't had the pleasure. No I, it's. I, 
to me it strikes me as a kind of from from Scotland obviously the kind of equivalent of like a sort of a fife or or something like that up here where the, it's just a you know it's a bit it's actually quite a big hockey town but like a small market hockey town unlike yeah. Sheffield which is like the mecca of hockey in, in the UK in my opinion um, but you just see the talent that comes out of Sheffield but Bracknell strikes me as a place where it's a sort of small marketplace and people travel there to go and play because it's it's a nice place to play and the fans are mad and and all that sort of thing. So yep. that was good. Um, Nick, uh, just a couple other things quickly on 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 the podcast. Um, you've been uh, you've been partaking any uh, NHL fantasy or anything this year? Um, no, I decided not to this year mainly because it eventually takes over your life. Uh, we normally kind of in previous years we have had like a Kings one, which uh, unfortunately, aside from. Uh, my good friend David Miller, I've kind of dominated the majority of the times that we've done it, but um, yeah, well, no, not that, not this year. Um, kind of took a step back from it with uh, just trying to mix things up a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I we're in we have one called the the Feagles Fantasy, which is you remember the Phoenix and Eagles were yep. mostly like clubs, so we still have that going on. Um, and I managed to get to second in it. Uh, I had a comeback victory um, over another BIHA alumni, Chris Tung, this past weekend, um, with a team featuring players such as Kirill Kaprasov, uh, Vrana, who's probably not well-liked at the moment um, in the NHL circles, uh, Kevin Hayes, Mitch Marner and Victor Olofsson. So, you know, I, I did pretty well at the draft, I would say. I, I managed to get a few under-the-radar guys that are performing pretty well. Um, and so I've, I've been quite enjoying it. But what I do is I just go in and set set a you know set active players to start for the whole week ahead, and then I'll occasionally look in on it and uh, make changes if I think they're necessary. So yeah, it's pretty pretty decent. What what have you made of the uh, the NHL this year? Have you have you been able to watch much of it? Um, I've watched bits and pieces, but um, kind of what with work and everything, I've not really. Stuck to it too closely, but trying to keep up where I can. There's um, it's been pretty interesting. I think there's been some. I, I we'd probably have to go back and listen to our podcast where we did our predictions because we're probably completely wrong. But there's been quite a lot of interesting teams that are not doing so well, and uh, <clears throat> some teams that are doing quite well, like obviously Toronto Maple Leafs, which I'm sure inevitably. Sorry to all my Toronto colleagues at work, but um inevitably will spectacularly fall to bits. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, it's been uh, it's been interesting, and there seems to be obviously some teams that are coping with the COVID situation better than others and, and behaving a little bit better than others, but uh, it's always a little bit easier when one of your players doesn't go out and uh, get a seven-game suspension. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been seeing bits of it. I mean, I, it's, it's always, you know, I'm back at work, so it's always on a late-night kind of game, um, the funniest thing for me, Nick, has to be the uh, you know the games and outdoor games where the sun decided it was <laughs> offended, um, and uh, took over those games. But I mean, the 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 quality hockey's been pretty good. But this sort of Washington Capitals hits the last like all the stuff I've seen. It it's it's the type of stuff they need to stamp out in the NHL. I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of them, but <clears throat> well, yeah, not to not to get too too into the topic, but. Um, as a Penguins fan, Tom Wilson does hold a particular place in my um, 
I wouldn't say heart, but there's a different place where he belongs. <laughs> but, but 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 put it this way, um, not to speak out of turn or anything, but correct me if I'm wrong, but the NHL has made this big play recently or in the last past couple of years. Obviously, they're going to be responsible in regards to head injuries and and everything that's going on with it after after what happened and and some of the findings that have come out. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, what's the what's the line? Fool me once. How how can you have a guy who you're suspending for the fifth time for basically doing the same thing? I, I, how many times can you give a guy a chance when when blatantly, obviously he's not learning his lesson. You suspended him for previously for twenty odd games. You've now thrown seven at him. How long before eventually you turn around and say, "All right, well, you're obviously not learning your lesson." Go, go apply your trade somewhere else. Like, at where, what what price do you put on human safety, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, just because a player's skilled, if they're dangerous, what you've got to remember is if they're a dangerous player, you're risking all these other skilled guys who also bring money in um, and their health and, you know, and well-being. And I hate to say it, but if they don't, if they don't stamp this stuff out, the stuff that I've seen, I mean, I saw the, the not just that, but I also saw the, the Ovechkin for want of a better expression, nutshot. Um, yep. You know, and and he got what five thousand uh, dollars. Which fine? is absolute to, to a guy who earns on average what his contract for for Washington was something like something daft like eleven, twelve million a year. Yeah, I mean five thousand dollars. You might as well like. So that, <laughs> that's the equivalent of me and you being fined fifty pence, Nick. That's that's yeah. how I view that, and and. You know, I, I love Ovechkin. He's a great player. He's exciting to watch. He's got an incredible shot. Um, you know, he's scored some... And he's a character as well, which yeah. is what the game needs. The game needs his characters. It's just the fact that, like, well, hold on a minute. Like, what he did, arguably, hey, that's that's like, that's not cool. Like, put well, it this way. If someone had done that the other way around to Ovechkin, I'm sure we're, we're sitting here having a very different conversation, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean... I think they've, they've got to look at this from the perspective of the NFL's already been in hot water and they've kind of gotten out the other side of it many moons ago with the whole concussion thing. The, you know, there's the Will Smith movie about it and all the rest of it. They, they could be the next league, the, the NHL, that, that maybe has something like that prominent happening to them. I mean, they're looking at it in rugby at the moment where you know guys are getting red carded for accidental stuff. Um, that's that's happening because they're mistiming things and they're getting suspended for three, four games, which in rugby is obviously a a much longer time than in the the NHL. And then you've got a guy who's as prominent as Ovechkin basically jabs someone, you know, in the family jewels, for for want of a better expression, and gets gets a $5,000 fine, which is, we've agreed, is essentially taking a kid's pocket money for a day. And... And it's not even suspended. And now, if that guy that he's that he's hit goes up one day and he has problems trying to start a family, and I, I'm not assuming that that's what he would want to do with his life, he, he has a legitimate claim against the NHL saying, "Well, you didn't, you're not doing anything about this." If that, you know, if there's another spate of this, kids start watching that and think, "When I go back to hockey, I want to be Alexander Ovechkin, start doing these things." The NHL, the NHL, to me. As much as I, I love that hockey's back and people are getting entertained by it, the NHL needs to have a serious look at itself um, and, and and sort it out um, as far as I'm... and start hitting them with heftier things. And as you said about 
Wilson, if you know he's he's fine. This is the fifth time. If you know the fifth time and he's had twenty games before, suspend him for the rest of the season. You know, make an example. Um, and and then he either doesn't do it again. His behaviour changes, or Washington need to think whether they still want him. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, the the other thing that seriously needs to be looked at here is, at the end of the day, I, I think to be honest, this should have also kind of, I'll roll in the COVID protocols. Obviously, I'm not sure if you're fully aware, but Washington have had their indiscretions with the COVID protocols that at the start of the season, basically, some of their players just decided they weren't going to abide by the rules and just do whatever they wanted. So they then inadvertently also got suspended. The the thing that I don't get is, okay, as you've said right there. 5,000 to an NHL player, never mind someone as well paid as Alex Ovechkin, is, is, is in, insignificant. What I don't get is, so Wilson's, Wilson's suspension and Wilson's fine. Wilson gets fined his wages based on his earnings for those seven games or whatever it is. Okay, so as a starting point, Ovechkin, his minimum fine should be a game's wages or a uh, 56th of his salary for that year, or whatever you want to call it, if you know what I mean. The the other thing is, hey, by the way, if you really want to stop this happening, not only is Tom Wilson suspended, but you can't dress a player to replace him. You just lose a roster. You re- lose a ro- roster spot. Sorry, but you are now going to have to pay, play with 21 skaters, or, or with 21 dressed players. Sorry. Yeah. It's things like that, that that then eventually, as you say, then maybe Washington look at it and go, well, hold on, we can't risk that happening again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I remember correctly, I think it was it was several years ago with the Edinburgh Capitals, they had a player, uh, uh, an import suspended, and they weren't allowed to they weren't allowed to sign or dress another import because I think yeah, which is which is correct. That is the that's the rule in the Elite League that if you have an import who uh, gets a suspension, you can't just... Dr- Teams like the Steelers and the Panthers, who typically sometimes, due towards the end of the season, might be carrying an extra import, you can't then dress someone, which I think is a more than applicable rule. Sorry, I think the NHL have got big enough teams and big enough rosters. Hey, sorry, Washington, you, you, you're going to have to dress one less player. You're going to have to go with 5D or, or three lines and... and Two and two rotating on your fourth line or something. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to do something to to kind of make it worthwhile. Because at the end of the day, I'm sure whoever called up Alex Ovechkin and said he's gonna lose five thousand, I'm pretty sure his next phone call wasn't to his wife saying we're not eating this week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the only the best way to stamp out. I mean, especially what happened with Ovechkin, you know, is is the the, the suspension hurts the team as well as it hurts the player. Um, hit the player in the pocket as well. They don't get paid. They're suspended without pay. Fine. But if you don't suspend, say, you know, Ovechkin in that situation, I appreciate that Wilson got seven games, but if you don't suspend him, then the coach isn't going to go through Alexander Ovechkin when he's done that and he's he's paying $5,000. The coach doesn't care, right? Let's be honest. The professional league, the coach just wants to win. But if Alexander well, Ovechkin gets a 10-game suspension for, for sticking someone in the nuts, you can damn sure that the coach is going to go through him for that. Um, well, you, well you, put, you put it this way. The whole reason that Ovechkin did what he did is because, at the end of the day, it was some fourth-line guy who was trying to not necessarily make a name for himself, but being a pest. Mm-hmm, at the end yeah. of the day, any other, any other player would have 
probably end up having to drop the gloves and do something about it, or, or his teammate would have done something about it. it. It's not, it's not. Unfortunately, it's not the way that hockey conducts itself in terms of like. I'm sure. I'm sure we've had in our leagues before, or even in the BYCA when we've had these superstars. Yeah, I, I'll admit, as a coach before, I have had antis- for many people going back looking at my Kings teams. The word, the word, <laughs> the, the man Kieran Atkinson comes to mind, which he was my sandpaper for many years. He was the guy who I used to basically. My instructions were: if you want to go out there and you want to take penalties, as long as you're taking someone else to the box with you. I ain't got a problem. If you're going and sitting across there by yourself, we'll be having words and there'll probably be some repercussions for it. There's people who play that kind of game, in which case, unfortunately, if if they're just going to let, as you as you quite rightly said, there will be kids who are watching that and watch what Ovechkin did, who, when hockey returns at a junior level, when st- stupid stuff like that happens, there will be kids who will be spearing each other like that because yeah. they've, they've seen a superstar do it and think that it's acceptable. Yeah, I mean, spearing to me is one of the most dangerous penalties you can take because it's a point of the stick. You're driving, even if you're not doing it to where Ovechkin done it, but you're driving it into someone's body, and it's not sharp, but it's very thin. I mean, if if you do that right, you could do some serious, serious damage to someone, even hitting them in the ribs. And there's areas of our bodies that aren't protected when we play hockey. Well, you know. Well, <clears throat> well put it this way. We've all played for long enough. You must have done it. I've done it multiple times. You must have done it before where you're skating hard towards the boards and you get your body angle wrong and basically you impale yourself on your own stick. Exactly. Exactly. I In mean, which case, think how much that hurts. And that's doing it accidentally, causing that much like kind of obstruction between yourself, the boards, and the stick that it goes into you. Then imagine when someone's trying to like physically do that to you. Yeah. It's just... It's yeah. just madness to think that, again, unfortunately, it's the NHL have taken a massive whiff on, on a serious on a serious item. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, there was other hit, the other Washington hit that the I can't remember the name of the guy that done it, the hit to the head, where the commentators described it as the best hit of the game. Um, it, it wasn't called a nice. Now you can kind of see why it wasn't called a nice because actually at full speed. If you're on the ice, physically on the ice as the NHL officials, you may not have seen it, but it was a hit directly to the head. I don't know. Have you seen that one? I don't think so. The yeah. the unfortunate thing is, in the world of TV replay, everything looks worse in slow speed. But in the same way, some of these that we're talking about here, as, as an example, the Ovechkin one, no, no penalties called on that, or he gets two minutes for roughing. In which case, if the guy has seen him spear him and then decides that that's worth a two-minute rough, like, sorry, but surely that official must be getting in some trouble. Well, the Tom, the Tom Wilson so. hit, no penalty is called on that play. Yeah, yeah, I mean... And you're, you're telling me, unfortunately, there is four officials on that ice and not one of them, kind of... Or even in the same way that the poor guy, Brandon Carlo or whatever he's called, is basically helped up off the ice by the trainers and is assisted off the ice. You're trying to tell me that None of those officials, or even Toronto in their little phone booth style, none of them were like, hmm, maybe that's worth a look. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I don't know. Can they, I don't know if the NHL can do this? I might be completely off the mark here. Obviously, being someone who's watched rugby do this for a long time, I mean, 
it, what, it, what it, can can the NHL officials review penalties and or review missed calls and, and alert the officials? Look, you've you've taken a massive whiff on this one here. You've uh, you've you've missed. Yeah, you've I, missed this. You've missed this. You've missed. You've missed that. I mean, the hit to the head one, as I say, I, I can see how it happened. I can see that the player is going to make the big body check. The other player's head's down as he does it. His head's not, you know, he's not in an upright position, so he hits him in the first point of contact the head with force. Um, it's one of these things that they they have to look at these things and they have to put a framework in to protect players. I mean, we've had Essie on here um, doing a bit where she took over, but also had Essie, you know, talk to us. Um, and we've all had the talk about the concussions and everything. It's something she's very passionate about. But if we end up with a sport where we're not taking concussions seriously, then we're we're miles behind everyone else. There's a lot well, of things. It's, we're we're on we are on the the supreme highway super highway of basically becoming a non-contact sport. Yeah. Because that's what it would have to become for it to be safe. Yeah. But if you if, if they're not going to try and stamp out this kind of so as an example, the one that you're talking about there, I haven't seen the hit, but from what you're saying, in 20 years ago, what was the hey, what was the 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 line from the coaching course in Billingham from the guy across from us, guy skating down the ice with his head down, and he was like, well, 20 years ago, if I'd have not nailed that guy, my coach would have glued me to the bench. It's my job. I've got to pretty much execute that guy. Yeah, that's the mentality that we're dealing with here. Hey. Or even in the NHL, if that guy's skating up the ice with his head down, that's not an excuse to kill him. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I know some of these hits happen where at the last minute the the guy will change his body position and then inadvertently they get hit in the head, which is unfortunate. But hey, if that guy wants to, hey, as soon as hockey comes back in 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 the first game that we play, if I want to skate the entire way up the ice with my head firmly planted in my derriere, I should quite capably be able to do so without someone seeing it as an opportunity to execute me exactly exactly um and i think we, we were talking about it might have been uh, stevie stevie that said play the puck first yeah and um i think i know this sounds stupid because it's the essentially the league with the best players in the world but i get the impression that sometimes the the nhl is not quite cut up with the rest of the world on that and uh and that might sound absolutely ridiculous because it is, as I say, the best players in the world playing the, playing our sport. There's no no two ways about it. But the NHL needs to have a look at itself and think about what other countries are doing and what other sports are doing to protect players' heads and their well-being from things like the Ovechkin and and stamp it out. And uh, and they do seem behind. Uh, it, it's horrible to say because I love hockey, but they need to sort it out. <laughs> It's, it's more the case that do they really want it, it's a little bit like I'm sure we've had this conversation before do they basically want the league to become a police state league where okay if a Ovechkin wants to go out and spear that guy and take a five grand fine suddenly the next guy thinks oh I'll take a five grand fine to get rid of this guy how long before you get back to the kind of Donald Brashear kind of years where the guy gets two handed across the back of the head because the the game's not being policed properly and it's not being stamped out that people then just take retribution for themselves and think right well I'll I'll deal with this then yeah I mean how how long did, how long how many times does does 
I'm not saying Ovechkin will do it again. I understand the guy was being a pest and he reacted in a bad manner. I don't see why he didn't just punch him and then he, you know it was less dangerous. Um, but you know, look at Ovechkin. Um, say he does that and he he starts to do. It. How long before we have a sort of bounty gate scenario like they had in the NFL where where coaches saying, look, we'll we'll cover your fine, just go and sort him out. You, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Nope. And and it's it's just uh, it's it's worrying to think about. I mean, I, I guess we've went a bit dark and a bit off off topic with what <laughs> we're very off topic. Um, but I I think I think it is important that you know certainly the people that listen to us at least you know that the, the couple hundred that normally this reaches by the end of its its lifespan on the internet or whatever know that that they shouldn't be taking that and thinking that's fantastic that's really funny what Ovechkin done because. Yeah, it might have seemed a bit funny, and you know, in slapstick comedy, it might have been a bit funny, but it's not comedy. That's real, and that that kid that was a rookie who was a bit of a being a bit of a bam and trying to annoy Ovechkin, you know, that could be that could be something that really affects him in later life. I don't know how hard he was hit. I know that you've got a jock strap on, but believe me, getting hit with a jock strap on still hurts. Um, so you know, I hope that no one in the BHA gets any funny ideas about that that being on. Because if I caught you doing it as a referee, you'd be getting a match penalty, and with the match report I'd write, you'd probably be looking at a few extra games above the the the, the minimum. So I'm uh, pretty sure I'm pretty sure in the BHA in-house rules, suspension rules, if you did give them a match penalty for spearing, pretty sure it was an automatic five-match ban. I think something like that, but. Or, or it's at least a re- recommended um, yeah. ban, and then you, you, if you target that area, it would be, you know, I'm sure it would be ramped up at discipline stage. But let's not let's not go down that dark road too too much. No, that, that's a that's a that's another yeah. very dark place to end up at. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, um, Nick, I I think we'll just quickly go through some of the things that are coming up that we're going to try and put in place um i think we talked about this before and we've we've had a bit more of a chat about it we're going to not on the pod but we're going to do a sort of video or we're going to try and do a video series of of uh post um mighty ducks episodes sort of reviews on those um we'll, we'll yep. put, put on facebook um i think we're looking at p- potentially doing um a sort of uh even if it's only a one-off but like a sort of um question of BIHA type thing like question of sport mm-hmm. um, and we'll, we'll, anyone that's interested in that and thinks I'd like to be involved you can obviously give us a drop us a message and we'll we'll tell you all about that um, and then I think we're obviously we'll do a few more pods but they'll maybe not be as, as frequent as if we have been doing them if we're doing other things so I hope that's okay with everyone does that that sound about what we what we chatted about Nick I think so. I think as much as anything else, I know we've been churning out a lot of uh, a lot of quantity for you guys, but we do like to keep to a certain standard of quality as well. Which um, we're not saying that we've we've necessarily compromised that, but we just want to make sure that we're we're trying for you guys, especially since episode fifty. We've made big, I think Rambo. We've made big strides to get bigger and better guests, and we wanna we wanna keep that going and make sure that we're bringing you uh, the best content that we can. Yeah, I mean that's not to say that through episodes one to forty nine the guests were were poor, <laughs> um, but I think in terms of prominence in the hockey world on a wider scale, we've certainly had maybe a few more guests that that fit that that sort of beyond BIHA reach, um, 
in terms of who we've interviewed, obviously, I mean, Liam Kirk was drafted in the NHL, so I think it goes without saying that he's probably the, the most prominent guest that we've had. Um, and a good lad as well, which was nice uh, nice to know that, you know, going away and, and playing at the highest level that he can um, hasn't sort of made him a bit difficult, which, uh, you know, it could have happened. But uh, I think, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're trying to make it as, as good as we can. And we're hoping to have, a, Nick and I have discussed it, we're hoping to have a, a referees roundtable where Nick will be the sort of, the host and um and I'll be one of the panelists along with some other officials um in the future this is and uh we're uh hopefully get some some other quality guests that maybe played at a high level or or have refed at a high level or coached at a high level um as well as as well as our usual inane kind of nonsense about whatever's happening in the world so yep um just just one last thing uh, Nick before you go I think there's a what's it I can't remember. Uh, what the exact name of it is, but there's a Netflix uh, series coming out on on Monday. Are you, you going to be checking that out as well? The one about the the one that's filmed in Sheffield. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure uh, I'm sure I'll give it a watch just to find out what uh, what the deal is with all the uh, all the changes that they made to uh, to our Sheffield and how it all fits in. Well, my understanding of the premise from the 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 trailer that was on Netflix is is that. It's uh, it's based on a player who gets a scholarship to play hockey in England, which, which the I can already I can already see some rather large plot holes. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, I think that should be good fun. Uh, but just before we go, Nick, uh, just to remind everyone, um, we do have our promo. You would have heard it at the top of the show as well for um, Lombardi's Edinburgh. You get ten percent off. Uh, with the code BHAPOD21. It's all bes- be- bespoke stuff. Nick, have you had the chance to check out the website yet? Or are you busy with work I, too? I need you to send me the link so I can have a good look. Right, I will do. Um, but it's all bespoke stuff. Most of it's like a one-off, so you can't buy it again. Uh, unfortunately, most of it seems to be for more slender males than me. Um, but check it out. And uh, if you want anything that's not on there, my understanding is you just drop them an email and they'll try and source things for you. Um, whether that be a team that's not on there, um, etc. So check that out, uh, and uh, I'm sure they'll be able to do you a good deal. Um, with that, Nick, I think we've probably talked longer than we said we were going to. So um, I'll just as say, always, as always, I'll just say a goodbye from me and a goodbye from me. It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, sorry. Oh, sorry. We're sorry, we're laughing. It's just that was bad timing. Sorry. Man.